Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for a new year. We thank you for your protection, your provision, and the power of the resurrection in Christ Jesus that works in us. Lord, even as we face this topic of becoming like Jesus through the daily quiet time, our prayer is that your spirit will give us understanding. Help us to engage the topic until we can we can be transformed by the words we hear into the image of Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Okay. Afishapa. Okay. Your leaders are of the opinion that we should spend time working on how a person changes to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And the key tool is the daily quiet time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to convince and persuade you that you need to become more and more like Jesus. That's what discipleship is all about. And then after that, I will tackle the daily quiet time and see how far we can get today and answer some of the questions uh, everybody is asking. So, first of all, is it important for the Christian to labor and strive to be like Jesus? Now, a lot of people have been going to church all their lives. They are not changing. And they have given up. They come to church as a formality. Now, there is another bunch too that used to grow. But they have plateaued and now they are like, what have we not seen before? Therefore, you know, some of the besetting sins 
and challenges I have in my life, I can't do anything about them again. So they have settled. But there is a third category that genuinely has a hunger and thirst to be like Jesus. And I would like to begin by trying to to persuade you that Christianity is Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to the beginning. When God made man, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that he created man in his image and after his likeness so that man will be like him in every way. But in the fall in Genesis chapter 3 this mirror of the image and likeness of God in man was broken. So man's nature, man's character became deviant. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 and 6 we can read that one. The Bible says God saw that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart of man was only evil continually. And it pained God. It grieved him. And he regretted that he had made man on earth. Genesis 6. Let's read 5 and 6. And Genesis 6, 5 and 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. God's heart was filled with pain because he made man on the earth. Genesis, uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Beyond cure. Who can understand it? Romans chapter 3 from verse 10 to 18 says there is none righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Now, every human being all over the earth, you know, talk about Melbourne in Australia, talk about Quebec in Canada, talk about Johannesburg, all human beings are corrupt beyond cure. And Romans 3.23 says, there is no distinction all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, sin is a force. Sin is a principle. Sin is a law. 
And this sinful nature is such that Paul says in Romans 7, 14, 18, 20 that even the good I want to do, I'm not able to do. The evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing it and I can't help myself. So I come to the conclusion that I am sold as a slave to sin. Romans seven fourteen first. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. And Eighteen and twenty. Yes. I know that nothing good in lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. You know, this is a very, very sharp analysis of the human situation. It is that even if you want to do good and be good, you can't. The very best of human beings has this principle working within him or her. So, you are locked up. The day you give up and say, well, if that's it, then let's all do it. Then you are, you just, you are carried away by the sea and you float. But when you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, another law begins to work within you. This law, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, in order to strengthen my position I want to argue that there are only two kinds of people on this earth those who have stopped struggling with sin and are drinking it bathing it, swimming in it and those who are fighting sin to the point of shedding blood In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible says, You have not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. So, yes. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, we have basically two categories of people on this earth. Those who have given up 
and are in sin and living for sin with sin and they drink sin they go along with sin they are content to be in sin and those who have made up their mind that no I'm going to fight sin in my life until I get rid of it now there is help from heaven this is it in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to verse 5 the Bible says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ when he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Yes, we are going to verse 5, but listen to this. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He didn't choose us to be millionaires. He didn't choose us to be married. He didn't choose us to have children. He didn't choose us to have houses. He, he chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before him. In love, yes, verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his children. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So, eternity passed before your great-grandparents even knew your great-grandmother. God chose you in Christ that you should be holy and blameless before him. Now, anybody who is chosen in Christ, you can never be satisfied with a life of sin. You, you, there is something in us that wants to be holy and blameless before God. Romans 8.29 says that those whom God foreknew, he predestined that they should be conformed into the image of his son so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Romans 8, 29. 29. Yes. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now this term predestination is a big one. 
A lot of Christians spend a lot of hours quarreling about it. That well, if I'm predestined, then why does God blame me? Eh, but look at it. He says you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son Jesus. So that he will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Anybody who comes to know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior has a mandate to become more and more like Jesus. Now, this mandate is from eternity past and by the Father. Eternity to come. First John chapter 3 verse 1 to 3 says that. Beloved, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called children of God. And his children we are. The world doesn't know us because it doesn't know our Father. We too are not exactly sure what we shall be like. But we know that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are now, we are children of God. The reason the world does not know us is that I did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope. Yes, everyone who has this hope. In him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, what I'm saying is that eternity past, God predestined that you should be like Jesus. So that he will be the firstborn, you will be his sister and younger brother. And when they see your forehead, you say, hey, is that is your brother Jesus? You say, yes. Hey, you look like him. You look like him. Now, eternity to come, when we see Jesus, there will be no Catholic, no Presbyterian, no Methodist, no Baptist, no Lighthouse, no Assemblies of God, no Pentecost. We shall be like Him. Whichever church denomination you belong to. Therefore, anyone who has this hope in Him, Purifies himself just as he is pure. I'm going to use this set of verses again, but I want us to read them for effect. In Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, the Bible says that. Whenever you read the Old Testament, there is a veil covering our eyes. You read, you don't understand. But when you turn to Christ, this veil is taken away. 
Yes. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, yes. the veil is taken away. Yes. Yes. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, 18. and we who with unveiled faces. Now with unveiled face. You see, the, fa- the veil which covered our minds when we were reading the, the Old Testament has been taken away. Yes. All reflect the Lord's glory. We reflect the Lord's glory. Are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The present day assignment of the Holy Spirit is to change you into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. Now, let me do a quick revision. God the Father predestined from eternity past that you should be like Jesus. Eternity to come, when we see Jesus, we shall be like him forever and ever and ever and ever. Now, the Holy Spirit's master job is to mold you, form you, conform you, transform you into the image of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. I want to I want to pause here a little. Change, change can never come to any human being unless it begins inside you. Let me say that again. You can't change a person from outside. It doesn't work. I make fun of myself that I was a, a house prefect in Vanston. And I had to make my bed, dress my bed every morning and inspect everybody's bed in the whole house that they have dressed their beds. So I did that consistently. But when I got to the university, I stopped dressing my bed. Because it was an external exercise. And I had not internalized it. So, human beings are like that. You can come to church every day. You can be involved in charity organization, in this, in that. And and you can be doing all the things, you know, mechanically but your inside is still not transformed if we want change the change must begin from within you so Galatians 4.19 Paul says my little children in whom I travail till Christ be formed in you yes Galatians, Galatians 4.19 4, yes. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, if Christ 
is not formed within a person. That person can never walk as Jesus walked. He cannot talk as Jesus talked. He cannot think the way Jesus thought. He cannot do the works Jesus did. Even if you try externally to help the person to conform to religious things, it is outside and it's external. Therefore, when you release the person, eh, you teach the person to pray in church, to read the Bible in church. Release him at home, he doesn't read his Bible. He doesn't pray because, you see, the mechanical religious practice in church does not change a man or a woman. So Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that Be not conformed to the world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind That you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect or well-pleasing will of God Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world But be transformed by the renewing of your mind Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, this is the real challenge of Christianity. A lot of people go to church. But Monday to Saturday, there's no change. You meet them at the office. You meet them at school. You meet them at Bacola. You meet them, you know, in the courts. You meet them in the police uh, office, the army barracks. There is no difference between themselves and somebody who doesn't go to church. But when they are in church, particularly for communion service, the angelic smile and the gentle walk and the pious look can never betray that you quarrel with your wife at home. So, something must happen to change a person in the inside before the outside can change. And as long as we only press the people to conform outside, and not be transformed within. We are, you know, we are fetching water with a basket. A lot of Ghanaians who travel outside the country lose their Christianity when they land on the shores of the new country. Because your mommy is not there, your daddy is not there, your pastor is not there. People who scare you into being godly, the, the chains are broken. You are on your own in a wild world of opportunity. Therefore, who cares? Even some people, when they leave the village and get into the city, they disappear. You can't see Christianity around them because 
I mean, in the village, everybody knows you, that you are the catechist, or you are the presbyteress, and, and therefore you had to conform. But in Accra, who cares? And therefore, you are on your own. So, this month, we want to address the issue of inner change that begins to reflect on your outward behavior. There is no change if the pressure is from outside and you pretend and conform and when you are on your own you cannot do it then there is a big deficiency now if you allow me I will launch into introducing what we call the daily quiet time. By far, the most important single event that changes the Christian into the image of Jesus. Did I say event? Process. Is that daily encounter with God in His presence alone with your Bible and in prayer? One of the first questions I received from your leaders is that is the daily quiet time for the people of the past. Is it something which they did and we not, do not need today? I know why they are asking. 21st century, there are only three names for the century. The first one is fast. Fast, fast, fast. The second one is busy, busy, busy. The third one is no time, no time, no time. From the housewife to the CEO, everybody on the planet now is rushing at such a speed that it makes you know, the jet planes, a tortoise. And our days are packed. You see, it's not like we are just hurrying for nothing. There are a lot of things you have to do from the morning. You have to serve breakfast. You have to get the kids to school. You have to report to work. At work, the demands, WhatsApp, email, phone call, and you are, and you are on that and Twitter 
and every moment until you are battling with the traffic and you are trying to pick the children from school, you want to get back home and your Saturdays are full of funerals and weddings and naming ceremonies and outdoorings and you are like, oh, does man have time to comb his hair? And then there is the information overload. You see, you need to catch up. Otherwise, you'll be a villager in a city because something is happening. You say, eh? You say, eh? I haven't you heard say, eh? Oh, is that it? Because there's so much information coming that you are like, whoa. So, you ask yourself, do, do I really need to have time with God? Do, is, it, is it that critical? You see, I, can't, I, can't I do it once a week? Or uh, once a month sometimes? And you are, you are like, where, where, when do you expect me to have time with God now? Do you know when I go to bed? Do you know when I get up? Do, can you imagine what I face each day? Don't tell me that. So, gradually, we are losing the battle for the average Christian to spend time with God. And it is the first thing we throw out. If it's not a spare tire, then we completely leave it behind because you can afford not to have time with God. But hey, let me let me balance the issue for you. First of all, you have to understand that Psalm 127 is in the Bible. Psalm 127 verse 1 and 2 say that. Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord watches over the city. The watchman stays awake in vain. You can even, yes. Unless the Lord builds the house, yes. its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. You need to understand that 99% of the things you do when you are alive, you can't accomplish them except the grace of God helps you. Proverbs 19.21 says that there are many devices in the heart of man, but the counsel of God that shall stand. Verse 19, 22. 21. 21. 
Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that reveals. You know, if you would stop a little and begin to observe, you will notice that any day you spend time with God, things work out easier and better than days you don't have time for him. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 puts it very gently. He says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You must understand that a thousand years is like one day before God. And one day, what you can do in a thousand years, God can do it in one day. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, having said that, God can even give you the ability to work a lot, but he will reserve it for the person who loves him. You labor, but you won't eat of it. God can do that. You know, I, I think, is it last week, I heard of somebody who is about to have, go on pension this year and he died. You see, all the entitlements and benefits, he was getting ready to, to have a showdown, a financial landslide, so that he can move in that tsunami. And, and, and do things he had, he had always wanted to do, but he didn't have enough money. And then he's dead now. God can make nonsense of your, your speech. That's the first thing you should notice. But the second one I want to point out to you is that the amount of breakthroughs you have in life depends directly on how big God is in your life. James chapter 4 verse 8 says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James chapter 4 verse 6 verse 8 come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Just like when you are far away from a mountain, you think you are taller than the mountain. But when you get close, then the size and the, the, the awesomeness of the mountain hits you. It's the same. Many of our problems look so big. They loom so big. 
Because you are very far from God. When you get close to God, then your problem shrinks. You begin to see your problem in the light of, of, of the majesty of God, the glory of God. And suddenly, it doesn't look so threatening after all. Life is such that God is no respecter of persons. What a man sows, that he shall reap. If you sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you reap from the flesh. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read verse 7 and 8. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So basically we are all sowing. If a whole day you only sow to the flesh, you sow to the things of this world, you reap from there. And if you sow to the spirit, you reap from the spirit. But that's not all. The God we have to deal with speaks with a still, small voice. Therefore, if you are in too much of a hurry, you can't hear him. It's like when you, your phone is ringing in traffic. The noise makes it sad. It's not that it's not ringing, but you can you can The noise is too much. Let's read First Kings chapter 19, verse 12. When Elijah was waiting for God, the earthquake, the fire didn't bring God. First Kings yes. chapter 19, verse 12. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. After the fire came a gentle whisper. That was when God spoke. A still small voice. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. You see, if you are in such a hurry and your inside is so noisy that you cannot have time for God, what happens is that you can't hear Him. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you move, you are turning to the left or to the right. Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, there are some days... You, I, I must be at the ministries today. I must be. At, I must see the uh, the minister of so so and so. I must, I must. That morning, as you wait on the Lord, 
he will tell you that the minister will not be in the office today. But if you are too busy to have a daily quiet time, you will dash into the traffic without combing your hair. You will rush and you will go and queue and only find out that the minister has traveled. Your day has been busy, but it has been silly. Psalm 32 verse 8 and 9 says that God says I will guide you with my eye you see we are walking with a God whose ways of guiding us and walking with us talking with us is is, is very quiet and and still and, and you know gentle Psalm 32 verse 8 I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I'll counsel you and watch over you. I'll, I'll counsel you. I'll, I'll watch over you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many times we miss God because we are... We, we, we are in too much of a hurry. Not only that, this generation is the most stressed generation that has ever worked on this earth. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. This peace of God which transcends all understanding. People cannot understand how you, you are a CEO, and you have peace like this. And how do you manage they, they, you have five children. Ah! And how, how are you managing that you are still keeping your cool? There is a peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You cannot access this if you have no time for God. Now, you say you are busy. I know you are probably more busy than a, a head, JHS head teacher. But are you busier than Jesus? Mark chapter 1. Before we read the verse uh, 35, Let's read from 
32. He says that in the evening, people came and they brought to Jesus the sick, demon possessed, and he ministered to them. That night, he was busy ministering. Mark 1, yes. from 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I will be saying this over and over and over, that if you are not intentional about spending time with God every day, you can't. You can't. You need to build that machinery yourself. When you begin, it is a little clumsy. But after some time, you become used to it. Your body listens to you and wakes up because you have set an alarm to wake you up. I don't think you are more busy than Joshua. God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. So that you will be careful to obey all that is written in it. Joshua 8. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. God's way of success and prosperity is the way of finding time to meditate day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3 also confirms that. After that, I want to call one of my daughters, uh, Asida, I want her to come and give a five minute uh, testimony, personal testimony of time, finding time with God. Yes. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Okay. Asida? Ah, good. Thank you. Clap for her. Hallelujah. So, as Daddy mentioned, my name is Astida, and um, in July last year, I realized that I would have been at the University of Ghana Business School for eight years running, 
because I did my undergrad. After that, I did my national service with the department. I immediately did two years of master's, and I did one more year as a teaching assistant. And um, by July, my lecturer wanted me to stay on, to renew the um, appointment so that I would stay on with him for another year. But as I considered my life, I realized if I don't pause right now, I'm going to keep doing this because by God's grace, I was applying for PhD and I knew that once I begin that, it's going to be another four, five years of just running, running, running. So I decided to just stop. And at first, I was um, living on a bit of a cloud because I had saved a little bit. So I wasn't really feeling too much difficulty. I was like, oh, I'm enjoying so much free time. But then after a while, when my savings ran out, <laughs> I started realizing that, wow, it was actually a sacrifice to stop working. And I would meet some of my friends and they would ask me, so what are you doing in the house now? And at first I was embarrassed because it was some way to tell them, oh, I'm just taking some time off. But the truth is, I've not just been taking some time off. I've been using this time to grow so much spiritually. For the first time since I became seriously born again, I have time now to spend with my Bible, to do my quiet time, to pray. I used to, I mean, I was, I was born again. I was good, in quotes. <laughs> I was going to church. I was trying to work in the church as much as I could. In the office, I tried to be a light. I was, I mean, I was good. It's not that I wasn't good, but I just didn't really have time for God because even when we're having family devotions in the evening, I would know that tomorrow morning I have to wake up early. So I, either I would be angry and not be paying attention to what they are saying or I would just get up and go and sleep. Some days I would wake up. I mean, I would think of doing my quiet time, but then I would realize if I don't leave the house now, I'm probably going to get caught up in traffic. I'll be late. So I decided, okay, when I'm in the car, I'll be um, using my phone for quiet time and it helped a bit but I was always in such a hurry because I knew that once I get to the office I'm going to be busy, busy, busy so this time that I've been spending at home has just been such a breakthrough for me I've, I've grown so much spiritually I think my family can testify and I myself, I know that my relationship with God has deepened so much I have the gift of prophetic dreams and I've always had it, I've had it for a while but Back then when I was busy, I would have dreams maybe once a week or longer. And I didn't have time to pray into it or pray about the dreams really. But now I can actually spend time and pray. Almost every night I have two, three, four dreams and I get the interpretation. And they come to pass. And I'm so amazed at how, how I've blossomed and I've been nurtured by just spending the time with God. And recently, whenever I complain to my parents about the fact that, oh, I'm broke, I don't have money. And, you know, sometimes they try, they're like, oh, should we try and help you find somewhere? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't exchange this time for anything. To get back into the rat race of having to run, 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 and then start PhD, run, run, run. I want this time to grow. And by God's grace, I'm making the conviction that even when I begin my PhD, I'm not going to sacrifice this. I have to make time for God. It's easy Maybe now because I'm at home. But I know that when I start the PhD, it's going to get difficult. I may have to sacrifice some extra learning time. I may have to sacrifice some friends. I may have to sacrifice some places, some fun, some enjoyments. But I'm determined that I can't lose how much I've come in God because of this time. Amen.
This is Moses' big sister. So, let, let me wrap up a little. As you sit here now, you have had habits for a lifetime. Don't expect that when you come to church and hear a sermon, you change. You never change. Those habits have been with you for 10, 20, 30 years. 40 probably. Or more. No one sermon can change you. You need time with God and with his word, with the promises of God. You need, you need time to engage the word of God and the spirit of God with your human spirit until a transformation begins from within you. A conviction begins. And when that happens, people notice that you are changing. The way you used to get angry and smack at everybody, suddenly, everybody around is like, hey, mommy, and you are not angry. Hey, something is happening. Because they know you. They know that that's how you are. And then, the other one, the other one, you tell lies without knowing. You know, because you are so used to lying. So you tell half-truths, you white lies, exaggerations, and you, you, you do them, you know, consciously and unconsciously. You can't change from one sermon. You need to, to, to have an encounter with God. And that only happens when the word of God, the promises of God, the spirit of God, you know, they work on your inner man and begin a process of transformation. As I speak, I have over 40 quiet time notebooks in the house. And for the past 45 years or so. This, for the past three years, I have changed. So now, I'm doing my quiet time online. You know, in the clouds. Because I want to save them there so that I can access wherever I am. But, I can assure you that To remember Bible verses doesn't just come. It doesn't. You need to find time for God, for His Word, and allow His Spirit to engrave these words on your heart and burn the promises on your heart and then you know, he says, till Christ be formed in you. Then, outside, you can see a difference. 
This is the reason why somebody can be in the choir but still be flirting. Somebody can be, you know, a catechist but still be drinking alcohol. The, the truth is that change inside you can only happen when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and pierces your conscience. Then something happens. You become different. People around you notice it. And they say, ah, what's going on? A change has started. So, all we are talking about discipleship has to do with change to be more like Jesus. I I think we can gamble a last Bible verse. In Exodus chapter 5 verse I think it's 6 verse 6 to 8. Let's try it. Exodus chapter 5 6 to 8. That same day Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and four men in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Mm. Let them go and gather their own straw. Yes. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. Yes. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. They are lazy. That's why they are saying, let's go and sacrifice to our God. You can add verse 17. Oh. Ah, okay. This is verse 8. Let's take that one too. Let's take the verse 8 too. But require them to make the same number of breaks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. Yes. Pharaoh said lazy. That's why. That's what you are lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. It is Pharaoh's strategy to keep the people of God busy so that they don't think about sacrificing to God. If he can give us more work and make you more busy and make life more fast, you won't have time to say this quiet time, going to read your Bible, pray eh, all night and fasting this. Leave that. Go and work. Work. You are lazy. That's why. Come on. And the more this world gets busy, and fast, the more we lose time, quality time with God. And I can tell you, even in this fast age, if all of you in the house are only texting one another, you text your husband and your, your wife texts you, text the children, text, and you do not have quality time together. A vital part of life as family is gone. In the office, in church, 
you feel more human when you interact with other people face to face and talk with them. Nothing can replace time with God. Amen. I, I want to make a call for prayer. If you are here, you are facing serious challenges with time. It's difficult for you to find 15 or 30 minutes daily to have a time alone, quality time alone with God. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. To pray with you. You are facing serious challenges with your time. One guy said he, he has dropped going to work by, with his car. He takes trotro so that he can have his quiet time because he is not driving. So he in the trotro, it's inconvenient, but he can read his Bible and spend time with God. Okay, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for every life standing before you. You created us. You bought us with the blood of your son. Our times are in your hand. Even as they stand in your presence, I'm praying right now that they will have a supernatural encounter that will rearrange what they do with time in the name of Jesus. And every clutter that the enemy is trying to use to distract them today, I break its power in Jesus' name. Spirit of the living God, I ask for your touch. I ask, Lord, for a visitation that will, will make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.